One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Helen. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast. In the next few episodes, we're doing something a little bit different and we're focusing on some of the factors outside of work that we think will help you to succeed in work. And the topics that we're covering are health, sleep, money. And today we're going to be talking about relationships. And we're absolutely not the expert in any of these areas. And so for every episode, we've both chosen a different book to read. And in our conversations together, we're going to talk about what we've learnt, how it's helped us, and hopefully how it might help you too. And so today is all about relationships. And Helen, what book have you chosen? And why did that book spring to mind for you? Well, I chose a brand new book that is out in September, so it's not even out yet, but you can pre-order it. I know, I've got sent a special, I've got a sticker on the front that says... you're just showing off. I know, I am. Advanced (laughs) Reader's Copy. But the book is called Getting Along, subtitle, How to Work with Anyone, Even Difficult People by Amy Gallo. (laughs) Now, I know we're talking about... (laughs) No, it's not you, because you're like, Sarah's so difficult. I just really (laughs) need this in my life. Do you know what? I sort of debated this. I was debated this being my choice quite a bit, actually, because I was thinking, well, isn't it... What we're trying to focus on with this series is the stuff that you can focus on outside of work to help you improve inside of work. So I was thinking, isn't it more about the relationships you invest in outside of work and how that helps you inside of work? But actually, as we will come on to, even though it is a book which is primarily about work relationships, there are a lot of broader insights that I think help you think better about all the relationships you build, not just the ones inside of work as well. Interesting. Interesting. And Wait and Amy's see. work's always great. So oh, yeah, love I'm, it. I'm, I'm like I'm Amy fan. She's more. been on our podcast. She is our sort of go-to guru on conflict. I would say not that mm. all relationships need to have conflict for you to work on them, but that is, I think, Amy's real area of expertise. What about you? What did you read? I have gone quite far away, far away from work, and I've read a book called The Attachment Theory Workbook: Powerful Tools to Promote Understanding, Increase Stability and Build Lasting Relationships by Annie Chen. And I knew nothing about attachment theory. Oh, I like attachment theory. <laughs> when I mentioned it to you, you were like, oh yeah, it's all the fashion. I was it's like, all I'm the just, rage. <laughs> I'm just obviously really unfashionable. And so I, I was intrigued. And to be honest, just did a little bit of research and thought, oh, I do quite like the idea of it being workbook focused. That felt very consistent with you know, squiggly and as trying to be practical and useful. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll just give it a go and just, and see how I get on. I love it. I know. Well, shall we start with how you got on then? Like three things you've learned about attachment theory from your workbook. Yeah. Well, I do now know what it is. So okay, that, was, that was the first, that was the first thing. <laughs> so, and I would say what Annie Chen does is a brilliant job of explaining and describing attachment theory in a way that I found really easy to understand as someone who knew nothing about it. 
and definitely that I think everybody could apply what she talks about. So she essentially, I think, takes what she does in her work as a therapist and make it available to everyone. So we talk about making careers better, everyone. I feel like she's sort of taken attachment theory and gone, well, how do I make this accessible for all of us? And she explains that attachment theory is the stress that people do or don't experience when you're dependent on others in relationships. And she's really clear, which I like, you know, she's not trying to do a horoscope. She's not trying to explain our personality. And she's also really importantly, not trying to pigeonhole people into fixed patterns of behavior. It's essentially trying to understand the natural progression of your attachments that you build as a very young child, as like a baby. And as you develop your social and emotional bonds that you have with your primary carer. So when attachment theory was first, like the research was first done, for most people that will have been their mum. Not for everyone, but for most people, because that is who the primary caregiver was traditionally. But obviously over time that has changed and not for everybody, that wouldn't always be your primary caregiver. And your attachment basically goes into three categories. Though again, we have to be a bit careful about categorizing people. But you either have secure attachments, insecure, anxious, or insecure, avoidant. And you want one all of the time, but you perhaps have a primary style. And it helps you to understand how you relate to other people. And in particular, where I think this is interesting, when you start to take this work and think, well, how might this help me in my job? and in my career is attachment theory doesn't drive all relationships all of the time, but it is the most likely to drive your close relationships. So the relationship maybe you have with your manager, certainly if you've got a co-founder, which we'll come on to, (laughs) work best friends, it would definitely drive your relationship with work best friends, very close collaborators. And so I think just understanding your almost like your attachment style, like what does that look like for you? When might that change? Would definitely help you to build better relationships. I have to say some of it was personally quite confronting at times, which we won't talk about loads today. Because essentially (laughs) you are putting yourself through relationship therapy by reading the book. I started off pretty smug. I've got a good score in terms of secure attachments because I was very lucky in terms of how I grew up. So, you know, I've got a good social and emotional bond, you know, in terms of I was very well looked after and very well loved. And so my security score, and there is like, there's some scores you do in the book, but then there's there's loads of exercises, is kind of really high. And I've also got low insecurity, which essentially means I'm really happy being by myself. (laughs) Like Probably no surprise there. But I am at my best when I've got loving supporting close relationships and I was like you know when you're sort of nodding along without trying to make it a horoscope you are sort of nodding a bit and my security is generally very high until and there is a bit of an until I'm loving until <laughs> there is disagreements and conflicts so this might be where our two books and worlds collide and then things fall apart a little bit <laughs> And the more you read, you're like, you know, when you start to, they describe the avoidant style, which I basically become insecure avoidant. And they're like, oh, sometimes these people don't really like hugging. And I was like, oh, that's like definitely me. Oh, but they really enjoy reading because when they're reading, they can disappear into other worlds and avoid any kind of conflict. And I was like, right. And honestly, the more I read about that avoidant style, the more I was like, okay um got a few relationship challenges I need to sort out (laughs) but the kind of the good news is first of all it is all very 
sortable, though I think obviously everybody starts from a slightly different place. And I do really like the exercises in the book. Some obviously will feel more for you than others, but she doesn't just describe and then leave you thinking, ah, like what Mm. what do I do with that? Which I always find really frustrating. She sort of describes and then says, well, you know, how much does this feel like you? Or maybe does it sometimes feel like you? And then she starts to talk about, okay, so then what's the so what? What can when we do about it? So the first thing I learned was, I now know a bit more about attachment theory. And then do you want, do you want to know the so what's? Yes, I would love to now, know the so what's. So two things that I've picked out, because it's actually a lot. And I do think the book is quite personal to the person reading it, you know, because everybody's relationship attachment styles will be different. But so I tried to pick on two things that I thought would work for everybody listening. The first one is another new idea that I've never come across before. I don't know if you know it. Is this idea of we all have a window of tolerance. Have you come across windows of tolerance? No, I don't, but I feel like there's no. a nice visual that might come into this. Yeah, yeah. So I really liked it because, again, I could visually um, imagine it. Regardless of our attachment style, we all have a window of tolerance and it describes the ideal zone of physiological activation that means that we can function effectively. Okay, explain that. (laughs) Yeah, basically when you're in your window, you know, you could have a difficult conversation, you can process information, you can respond and you can relate to people. You're kind of, you're in a good place. When you go out of your window of tolerance, you become quite distressed and stressed And then that's where I suppose for different people, this would show up in different ways. So some people might get aggressive. Some people might get really angry. You might shut down. You might get really upset. And that's because you're out. You've gone like too far out of your window. A little bit of fight or flight. Yeah, I think you've gone outside of that window of tolerance. And so some people will verbalize it and will be able to say almost like this is starting to feel uncomfortable for me or like this is too hard. Or for some people there distress cues are very obvious you know like there's physical distress cues like people crossing their arms or I suppose if you were crying you know like they're it's a very obvious cues (laughs) unless you're me in which case so my distress cues are invisible which is really unhelpful if you're trying to work with me because you wouldn't it'd be quite hard to, to see them yeah which you know I don't you you may or may not see I mean that I can me. think of some really big <laughs> situations where in life where that's probably been <laughs> the response Sarah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so what you've got to try and do but I find this really interesting so she says like you don't give up on these people so please don't give up on me <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't give up on it's just more difficult but the more I suppose if you know this about yourself firstly you can share that so essentially the further out of my window of tolerance I go the less likely I am to talk about it so there's also something about me about like well what can I do but there's also about things that you could notice so too many difficult conversations at once or close together where there are high levels of conflict would take me out of my window of tolerance and it's easier to talk about your window of tolerance when you're not outside of it which makes sense, I think. You know, if you're like outside of it already, then that's very difficult for people because they're there either really upset or they're emotional or whatever it might be, or you've shut down if you're me. Whereas the best time to talk about what it looks like to go beyond it is when you're feeling comfortable and secure and stable. And so having just these kinds of open conversations helps you to get a sense for what it might look like and it gives you all then basically anyone who's in a close relationship with someone else you stand a better chance of between you signaling like this is too hard for me or like why this might be difficult and I was like oh I just think that's a really 
I found that quite a useful visual way of describing it. And also I like the idea of maybe, you know, the best time to talk about this is not outside of the window when you're in the window. Yeah, no, I, I like that because it makes me think, I was just trying to, you always kind of personalise these things, don't you? And I was thinking that actually what's outside of my window, if we were going to have a, a challenging conversation, if I'm tired or if I'm trying to do something else, then that's likely to trigger for me much more negative responses to a conversation. Yeah. And the way that you can do this, and interestingly, I had a go at one for you as well as Ooh. one for me, which hopefully that relates to what you've just said, is if you can use I statements to share something about yourself rather than, you know, trying to blame someone else or the other person, because that's when you can get into almost like unhelpful friction. So let's say, so the one I actually wrote for you was I was thinking, I think you're out of your window of tolerance. And I think you might say something like, I'm too overwhelmed to be able to usefully have this conversation right now. I think you might have said that to me before. <laughs> I don't think I'd, I don't know if I'd verbalize over. I think I'd say I've got too much to do to talk about this right now, which would probably be how I would verbalize it. Yeah, yeah. So, but the point is, you're not you're not blaming me for having the conversation at the wrong time, but you are trying to signal I'm probably like outside of my window yeah. of tolerance. Yeah. Or you can also use I statements to share something that's important to you to the other person in that relationship. So I was trying to think about where we might be different. And so one could be from me, and I'm still practicing these I statements. So I, I hope I'm getting them right, but they're actually not that easy to frame in the right way, would be, um, I appreciate agendas for our catch-ups because it helps me to prepare and be organized. And so th again, that's probably telling you something about what I value and what's important to me, but it's not then saying, why haven't you done an agenda, Helen? Yeah. Or and it's it's probably helping you to realise like that matters to me. A bit of organisation and structure matters to me in our relationship. You know, you can understand each other from that. So I'm still kind of getting my head around I statements because <laughs> there's like a little not test, but there's oh, which of these are I statements in the book? And I, I didn't get all of them right. You know, I didn't, it didn't click first time for me. So I think I'm still getting my head around them. It's very clear to hear though. I like, I get what you've just said. And I think yeah. just to build, sometimes I'd be like, oh, do we need an agenda? Is it too formal? I don't really think that. Hmm. I think Sarah needs control and that's why I've got an agenda. <laughs> no, but I, I just, you know, to hear you articulate it in that way is actually, it just provides quite a lot of clarity. Yeah, so I think learning about those I statements I found helpful. And then my last thing, which I was sort of getting more and more practical as I was going through, is an exercise on relationship strengths. Now, one of the brilliant things about this book, and we will put the link to this in the show notes, is you can get a free workbook that is 28 pages long with loads of these exercises in. We'll share that link. And this exercise is paid the last two pages of that workbook, pages 27 and 28. And this is about relationship strengths. So this is um, pick a someone you're in a really close relationship with. And I would say the majority of this book is way more focused on personal relationships and friendships. But obviously I just picked you. Thanks. <laughs> and when you know each other's strengths in a close relationship, it provides a buffer from stress, but also gives you loads more room to grow and go further towards your goals. Now, lots of the examples in the book are like goals. I don't know, maybe you're building a house. You're doing a project to build a house with your partner. Or, you know, you're doing more of like, life stuff where I, I was just like oh if Helen and I can provide a buffer from stress and we can just grow, yeah, grow and amazing grow. <laughs> if and squiggly careers and so obviously that's where my head went first so I sent you did you manage to see the list of potential strengths across our relationships 
So I picked three for you and then I thought you could tell me three for me and just see how that helps us. Do you want to have a go? Yeah, I did. And I've sent you them over WhatsApp, but you might not have seen them. So let's leave this a big reveal. No, 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 I haven't. (laughs) So who goes first? Well, I'll tell you your, well, I'll I'll tell you yours. I'll I'll tell you yours. Yeah, yeah, It's a good start. It's a great start. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm sure there must be a longer list than this, but I still found this useful as as a framework. So the three that I, there was actually loads that I could have picked for you, but the three that I picked for you were willingness to put in hard work and effort, two, perseverance through rough times, and three, ability to challenge the other in a positive way. Does that feel true for you when you're thinking about your intent versus your impact? Do you think, oh yeah, that is what I bring to a relationship or our relationship maybe more specifically? Yes, actually, but I don't think I ever would have articulated it quite like that probably put on like hard work it's quite nice to hear it being appreciated you you know to hear you say it back I think some of those things you maybe think oh that's just what I do or is that something that's valued or valuable but yeah it's good to hear yeah so that's what she says she says that's how that's why it's so important to say it out loud because essentially it's sort of really acknowledging and appreciating in a very out loud way what someone brings to a very important relationship so see, you're proof that it works. Would you like now? Can I have mine, please? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like the need, the need. No, I'm very needy. Yes, I do. I would please like mine. Okay, so I put empathy. That was one that I picked out. I think you're an amazing okay. empathizer. You never try and solve. You just sort of sit with me sometimes when I'm struggling with something, which is brilliant. I put the inspiration one. So being a source of inspiration, I always feel inspired to do more to do better. And then commitment. I just feel like this immense amount of commitment comes from you and what you do. Like it will get done and we will do it and we will find a way it comes through. <laughs> so they were my three. How does that reflect with your own your own uh, self-awareness? Interesting. So I only got one for myself of those when I, I sort of self-scored, which is why I had to scrub them out when I sent them to you because <laughs> I didn't want you to see what I'd done. Um, so I had put empathy. I think maybe because we talked about that before, I was like, oh, I can I can see how that how that kind of mirrors. I put humour. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't pick that. Oh, <laughs> sounds really hard. I don't mean because you're not funny, but not. Do you mean do... I'm absolutely hilarious? <laughs> it's just not. I can't the believe thing. you didn't pick it. It's outrageous. It's just um, not the thing. Okay, I was like, oh, maybe I bring a sense of like sense of humour, even when things are hard. But um, so that that was like I. And then do you know what? I actually struggled. I couldn't think of anything else. I was like reading them, just being like, I got how many crosses for you? Seven. And then I was like, oh, maybe willingness to put in hard work, but probably not as much as Helen. <laughs> so, um, no, I thought I actually nearly had that one, but then I was like, commitment felt more. Yeah, you, just, feel, you don't yeah. work hard for the sake of working hard. You are no. committed to an outcome. So that was why I chose that one over it. Yeah, and that actually, that one I recognised. The source of inspiration, I perhaps find a bit more surprising. But you're like well, the do, idea, I, you're like the ultimate idea generator. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just like maybe if it, yeah, maybe because it's the word inspiration. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm that inspiring. Quite good at coming up with ideas. But this is why this is so useful. So I think anyone you have, I think this would be really useful to do with your manager, for example. And it's not, it's to be honest, it's not what it's intended for. I don't think. I think you're meant to do it with like your, I don't know, life partner. <laughs> but even if I was, I was thinking about this for like my sisters and stuff, who I have a really close relationship with. I've got two sisters, so I'm very lucky to love a lot and also get on with brilliantly. And I was like, oh, they bring different strengths to that relate to my sister relationship and they're both very different so I just think kind of going through that exercise and then almost like saying it out loud and then maybe even giving some examples her point is a it helps you to really appreciate difference where there is difference and also what you have in common where there's sort of no right or wrong you're not looking for like a big oh you do something massively differently but you sort of have the conversation that we've just had which is even as someone who 
you know, we know each other very well and have known each other for a long time, there were still some surprises along the way and some things that we couldn't see for ourselves just by taking a bit of time to think about our respective relationship strengths like what do you bring to a relationship it's really interesting actually I've sort of done this today with my husband without really meaning to so um, (laughs) I'm in the middle of buying a new property and today we got through the brochure the house brochure (laughs) and um, we trying to move quite fast with it so I looked at the brochure and I was like yeah yeah yeah, all looks fine just need to change that picture around and I sent to my husband I sent him a whatsapp and And you told me as well yeah I was like like, Sarah because you're also my life partner so I was like (laughs) I was like just need to change this picture around like job done anyway Anyway, then I checked my email an hour later and my husband had sent this email to the estate agents with like about six very detailed things that needed to change on. But like really important things like the boundaries incorrect and there's a typo on page three, stuff that I completely, I just had not spotted. And I was like, yeah, it's quite important. And I messaged him to say, oh, wow, your attention to detail is amazing. That is a like complete super strength because that's always my go-to language would be like a super strength. And I think the bigger point behind what you have said is yes, you could do this as like a formal thing and you could go through the page, what was it? 27 of the workbook and do it. But I think there's probably a bigger thing, which is relationships outside of work are really important to your life and I will come and talk about that in a second but taking time to say what is the strength of somebody and what that what you get from that relationship I think it's a really important thing to do that often gets overlooked because you often make assumptions that oh well, Sarah is always there for me or that you'll always you know that friend is someone that I've known for a long time and so you probably don't take a moment to just go do you know what I really appreciate this about you and our relationship but I think that that's probably the bigger thing behind what you've mm. maybe just shared Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So help me now, Helen. Help me with all my challenges around conflict. Oh my gosh. Well, I've got so many. I've got, I can't start with this, but I won't because it'll take too long. I wrote down and I started with um, 
three things that I learned from the book. The first one I started was nine principles for getting along with anyone. And I thought you can't have number one <laughs> as nine, nine principles. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say the nine principles for getting along with anybody, but they are in the book and they are quite useful. So then I was like, all right, work a bit harder, Helen, try and pick out three specific things that you've learned. So number one was the point that I just sort of alluded to about outside inside impact. And this is what I'm trying to get to here. In the book, it talks about the quality of your relationships outside of work impacts your relationship resilience inside of work. So let me explain further. In a study of people who experience what they call incivility in the workplace, i.e. people not being great to work with, the people who had positive relationships outside of work were A, more likely to thrive inside of work and they were better able to respond to difficult relationships with colleagues. So basically, mm. if you've got good relationships outside of work, it helps you to respond more positively when you've got difficult relationships inside of work. So that's why it's so important to think about the quality of your relationships outside of work and the connection between the two. So I thought that was quite an interesting, perhaps yeah. overlooked point at times. Point number two, biases affect our relationships. So we all have biases and they have a significant impact on the quality of the relationships we develop. There's two particular biases that are mentioned in the book. The first is an affinity bias, which means that we are more likely to gravitate towards people with similar appearances, Mm. beliefs and backgrounds. So that's your lovely old echo chamber. And actually that might hold you back from being curious, learning from other people. So it's worth, I think it's worth thinking about the people that you spend time with outside of work, how much of an affinity bias have you got going on and could you benefit from a broader community of people? And the second one is called confirmation bias. This is the one that rang bells for me. So confirmation bias is where we look for evidence that reinforces what we already think about a person. So you know when you might have like written someone off? (laughs) They're a bit of a, I mean challenging person I'll be polite but you you know you sort of write people off either in your family or maybe just in your friendship group and you sort of you stop giving them benefit of the doubt you stop assuming that there's any kind of positive intent you just say they are a difficult person or they are always a victim or they come across as negative and you sort of make a full stop after that statement because and you look for lots of evidence that goes oh that's them being negative again or that's them being deliberately difficult and I thought it was quite interesting just to think about like are you letting confirmation bias affect the quality of your relationships that have you written someone off because you're looking for stuff to reinforce what you think you know about them that was interesting very interesting And I think I do that sometimes because I am critical of myself and other people, definitely. And I also remember those things. At my worst, I can be a tiny bit stubborn. It has been known. I think then sometimes, you know, like if somebody made a mistake or got something wrong, like I remember that. And so then, you know, almost like you have the confirmation bias that reinforces that. And then you you miss the good stuff along the way. Or perhaps you just don't even give somebody the opportunity to prove that they can do something different or in a different way. And I think that is, yeah, that is really, it's very fixed, isn't it? Um, And also really unfair. And it takes away from people's ability, like learning agility to say, well, just because this happened in one way once, it doesn't mean it will happen again. Plus I see that people already, like we've said before, people already do a really good job of being hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. So then the last thing they need is then you going, oh yeah, that person just isn't a dot, dot, dot. And it's like, well, 
okay, well, they might not be the best at that thing or they might not really enjoy that thing, but that doesn't mean that they can't that they can't do it and I think that's yeah I think both of those I can I can see how both of those biases get in our way so you kind of go the the dots that I'm connecting are okay so affinity bias and confirmation bias affect the quality of our relationships and if we have a poor quality of relationships outside of works it makes us less resilient with our relationships inside of work so these are all the all the dots that I was connecting the last Mm. one this is the one that I was like uh oh it's bad to bottle it up I think I'm a good bottler it says here suppressing our emotions rarely helps and they are likely to show up in unexpected places psychologists call this this is a horrible term emotional leakage (laughs) i hate the idea Um, but as examples of emotional leaks sarcasm so you know like a bit but probably a bit too sharp sarcasm Mm -hmm. where you're like i'm a bit annoyed with Mm -hmm. you but i'm gonna let it out as a light bit of sarcasm stress that's kind of one way that, you know, because you haven't actually talked about something that's bothering you, it becomes quite a stressful situation or like an outburst. It just gets too much and you're like, oh, for goodness sake, because actually you, you just bottle it up. You're, it's like that, um, you know, that, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube, that Mentos and Coke experiment. Have you seen oh, this? Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's like that, but, but like with your emotions. And it also says you risk taking your negative feelings out on an innocent bystander, which I thought was interesting. But the other little build on this is that people can sense the tension. So the research shows that if your blood pressure rises as a result of suppressed emotion, so does that of the people around you. So let's say I'm bottling it up, but actually I'm getting more and more tense. I'm like that bottle of Coke that's fizzing and fizzing and fizzing. Then actually the people around me start to fizz too. So it has this sort of osmosis type of impact. So it's not just me that gets affected by my bottling it up. It's actually the people around me. And it says, what do you do about this? Well, yes, you could just talk about it, but that might feel too difficult for lots of people to just do. It says that one of the other solutions that might come before talking about it is just to write it down, like almost like let a bit of the emotion out, but in a way that might feel a bit more private, maybe perhaps a bit less confronting, but can give you back a bit more control of how you're feeling. So you're less likely to leak the emotion in an uncontrolled way. It's interesting slash worrying because I don't I don't associate you as somebody who does bottle up what you're thinking. And so either that's just new news to me because I would always think, oh, well, I'm way worse at that than Helen. I bottle up loads more stuff. You're much more likely to like, call it quickly you talk about fixing friction fast so do you think this is different in work and in personal relationships for you okay 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 okay. (laughs) yeah Yeah, I think I think I have a personal mechanism which is if you bottle it up for long enough then it disappears over time but according to emotional leakage I'm I'm doing an outburst over (laughs) choose some kind of outburst oh crikey look look forward to that if you're in Helen's family or friendship circle (laughs) what happens to me if I'm like in both circles I'm sort of like a friend and uh, maybe that bit can you just keep me out of the friend bit when you fizz over I've got another analogy you know pop up pirates I'm coming out with all of them today oh yeah 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 (laughs) I'm like I have that game who knows when that pirate is gonna pop (laughs) oh let's hope I'm not there for that bit (laughs) well let's hope you are like to help (laughs) with your empathy remember those those super strengths you build bring to our relationship sorry they're just um, they're just just for work they're just limited limited yeah. availability thanks for that. <laughs> oh dear so who is your book for then you've obviously gained a lot of insight from it but if you were recommending it to somebody else who would you suggest read it i think anybody who enjoys psychology would just find it interesting 
I think it's a really good introduction to attachment theory. It definitely made me want to read more. It made me want to think, oh, I wonder if there's, has anyone done any work on how you then apply this within work? So, you know, start to get more specific to our world. I think if you were interested in therapy, so I don't know a lot about therapy and haven't had therapy before, albeit lots of friends and family and people I know have and have all benefited from it massively so I think maybe if you were thinking about having therapy about your relationships and you wanted a bit of a feel for it and I I don't know because I'm not talking from experience I felt like it gave me an introduction into what it might be like to have therapy about a relationship or maybe if you were thinking I'm not sure if I can afford it or could invest in it maybe the book is a good a good place to start to understand maybe some of the benefits because I've not really talked about it today because I didn't think it'd be as helpful for the podcast but there are quite a lot of case studies in the book very short ones that just say oh this person this person um were fighting about money Hmm. you know they're in a really good relationship but one of them had a more secure style one of them had more of an avoidance style and it also talks about what you do if you've got two avoiders what do you do if you've got a secure and an insecure person so you you can sort of go through I think and make it very kind of personal to your own situation and if you're just interested in improving your personal relationships I do feel like it's probably a book that is more relevant for you know personal relationships or friendships or if you have got a very close work relationship actually I think because of our relationship I found it very useful for work I was thinking to when I was in more sort of corporate world I think it's a bit it's a bit harder to kind of make that direct leap, I would say. Well, I think then mine is a really good pair because you've had to take a book that's about personal relationships and then sort of work harder to make it relevant to professional relationships. And I think my book about getting along from Amy Gallo is much more about professional relationships that I sort of have taken some things from to apply more to personal Mm. relationships. So I actually think they're quite a good pair if you want to think about the relationships in your life as, as broadly as possible. And I would say that my... My book recommendation is a good one if you're rethinking or repairing a relationship at work. I think a lot of where Amy comes from is these eight different archetypes, like you have the victim, the insecure manager, and it's almost like how can you behave in a way that gets the best out of that relationship? So I think if you've got a bit of a problem, I think this could be your go-to guide. But I also think it is the right read if you are prepared to put some effort in so there's a lot here that is like what can you do how can you ask questions how can you think about your contribution to that relationship it isn't oh they're an insecure manager it's their issue it's sort of yeah. what can you can do different so if you're prepared to put the work in and you've got a relationship you might want to rethink or repair it is a brilliant book for your bookshelf uh, which actually links really nicely to my favorite couple of sentences from the book do you want me to go first? Because I think yes. it'll actually be a really nice um, build from what you've just said. And she sort of reinforces these sentences a few times. She kind of keeps coming back to this sentiment. So I was like, oh, I'll just kind of summarise with this. She says, remember all of these behaviours were learned, but none of them are your fault. But the consequences of these behaviours are your business. So I really liked that. Consequences of these behaviours are your business. And she goes on to say, Being open and curious is the best way to learn new information about yourself and fuel your motivation to change behaviours that don't serve you. So I I did like that. I felt there was a sentiment throughout the book of going, self-awareness and understanding yourself is useful. Don't blame yourself. Don't blame other people either. It's not particularly helpful. But if you want to do something different you've got to sort of change those behaviours that are kind of getting in your way. And I, I, I sort of liked that. I felt like that was a good sentiment and useful and, and practical for something that is taken 
you know, clearly quite a sort of psychological theory about like, you know, the relationships you have as a baby with your primary caregiver. When you sort of get into that stuff, it gets quite, quite deep and you can understand why this impacts therapy into something that I think could be helpful for everyone. I like a sort of like a attachment theory accountability. Like you're, mm. not, you're not to blame for what you believe, but you are for how it impacts like other people. I like it a lot. My quote, let's see what you think to this. Even one negative relationship can cast a shadow over your life. But if you look, you can often find like-minded people who are interested in positive interactions. Rather than allowing toxic relationships to dominate your experience, determine what you need to be effective and happy and build a coalition of people who are committed to similar goals and values. And I just quite like that idea around like just taking ownership for this. Like you might have a negative person in your life and now we know that that can actually affect your relationships in work as well. But actually you can build this sort of coalition or community of people who you do find a connection to, who help you to feel positive and better about about different things and so I think don't feel you know that whole don't feel like a victim of your circumstance like you can often Mm. create a community if you are willing to and that community can benefit you in lots of different ways I quite like that statement yeah I think that's really helpful especially when we do have you know we've we've said before I think we may be saying you coach you that a difficult relationship can dominate your day Mm. and I, I have had that experience a few times in my career where someone for whatever reason that felt quite toxic did cast that shadow that you've just described and I think related back to some of the things that you've talked about where I'd got good relationships outside of work that definitely helped me where I could build that coalition and community where yes that person I might have found really difficult but it didn't sort of determine all of how I felt every day all of the time because I think that just feels so draining and I think you can lose lots of confidence and it can really it can really get in your way and i think depending on who that person is from a work perspective i think you know that can be something where there is a moment where you might think well i need to make a change or i need to kind of move away because if that person is your manager for example that is incredibly difficult but i really like amy's advice there to sort of go well you you know it's the control your controllables isn't yes, it like you yeah. you focus you focus on what you can do here don't sort of spend too much time trying to train someone else well that was my fourth point that I didn't Ooh. say which Ooh. is be in control of you you can't yeah. try and change the people around you focus on the things that you have power on so for example if you're getting snappy go to sleep if um <laughs> you know you need to keep your keep your commitments for example build your boundaries that stuff that you're in control of and has a big difference in terms of your relationships so that is the last in our special series that we have done over summer to help you think about some skills that you can invest in outside of work to help you improve inside of work. So over the last month, as Sarah kind of started it out with, we have covered health, we've covered sleep, we've covered money, we've covered relationships. And we've done these episodes in a slightly different way by taking a book each that we hadn't really talked about beforehand and sharing live with each other our insights and, and thinking about the impact of them and so we would love your feedback because it isn't something we've done before and if you've enjoyed it and it's been helpful for you in your development it's definitely something that we could do again but we will only know whether we should do that if you get in touch with us so please do send us your feedback if you have enjoyed this if you found it useful if you think there's anything that we could do differently if we do do it again just email us we're helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com and we would really love to hear from you because it's sort of been a bit of an experiment and we only know with experiments have worked if you give us your insights 
So that's everything for this week. As always, if you have two minutes to rate, review, subscribe or recommend our podcast, that's how we can scale and share squiggly. And also we really appreciate it. It's always nice to know that people are listening and we're not just talking to each other, albeit we do really enjoy doing that. So (laughs) we'd probably do it anyway. But thank you all so much and we'll be back with you again soon. Bye for now. Bye everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.